HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more. And if it's for you, sign up. there and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Julie Resnick, co-founder of The Actual Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed podcast, I will be trying to help you solve the daily question that we're all faced with, what's for dinner? Each week, I will be speaking with a member of the Feed Feed community who is a constant source of ideas, inspiration, and recipes, and helps me get dinner on my table nearly 365 days a year. Today, I'm joined by Catherine McCord, founder of One Potato, an organic home meal delivery kit service that launched back in 2015. Catherine is also the author of several cookbooks, including One Family, One Meal, Wheelicious Lunches, Think Outside the Lunchbox, and most recently, The Smoothie Project. Catherine is also the founder of Wheelicious, a website dedicated to helping parents expose their children to wholesome, delicious homemade food. You might also be familiar with Catherine from her TV appearances as a judge on Food Network's Guy's Grocery Games and the next Food Network star. Like me, Catherine has three children, attended the Institute of Culinary Education, loves to shop at her local farmer's markets on the weekend, and lives in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast, Catherine. I always forget how much we have in common. I know. (laughs) You just reminded me. We We really have all that overlap. I'm so happy to talk to you today, though. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time out. So I always like to start these episodes by talking about food and family and going way back to childhood. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Um, who cooked in your house? Were you involved in the kitchen as a, as a, a little kid? Did you help your mom or dad in the kitchen? 
It's such a great question because it really is like why I started my companies. Um, my mom will always say that cooking skipped a generation. My grandmother is like a phenomenal cook um, and made everything homemade. You know, had the, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. So, you know, like there's that sort of very heavy Southern influence on the food that we ate. Uh, we cooked absolutely everything. So I spent like all a lot of my time with my grandmother. She had the like big old glass jar of bacon grease. And there was no <laughs> butter or oil. It was all a scoop of bacon grease into everything. Um, cast iron pans. I mean, you know, just like true treasures. And they grew almost everything they ate. So I really spent much of my time at either U-Pick Farms or um, in the basement uh, my with my grandfather where, he, you know, we would like freezing blueberries and stringing sugar snap peas and um, canning, jarring, like everything. I mean, they had this like, <laughs> this major um, compost and they, you know, you're never supposed to put seeds in compost, but they'd have like these glorious tomatoes growing out of it. I mean, he just Amazing. threw everything in there, everything. Um, so, you know, and then my house where, you know, with my parents, dinner was like five o'clock, like clockwork every night on the table. And my mother, like, like kind of like begrudgingly cooked. She, you know, it was always homemade. I, I mean, I give her a ton of credit. She, I don't think she really enjoyed cooking, but it was always homemade. You know, it was a rotation of probably 14 recipes that, you know, you'd yep. see, you know, twice a month. Yep. Um, but, but she did it. And, you know, my parents praised me as a child for being a great eater. And I think that that always like somehow like lived within me. Um, you know, there's Catherine. She eats mushrooms. She loves <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> so you know, it it all it it all intertwines. But you know what? The, but like the my mission and everything for me, everything is about the dinner table. It's yeah. it's the only only place that I feel like you know that we all come together as a family. Um, to, you know, so the the food to me is always kind of the byproduct. Yep. It's the conversation, the connection. But you know, but those the, the, like the recipes. That's that's like that's childhood memories. Totally. So, what are some of the recipes that your grandma made um, and your mom made when you were a kid that were some of your favorites? Oh my God. It's like all fried chicken, homemade <laughs> biscuits. I mean, you know, what's so funny. Like I remember like almost all of it was great. I mean, really like ch- uh, turkey tetrazzini, mm-hmm. my uh, masu spaghetti. Oh, I forgot about spaghetti. that one. I grew up in Dallas. So uh, a lot of similarity there too, in terms of the type of food that I was getting served and helping to cook. Um, yeah. Lots of, lots of casseroles. Yeah. Yes. Lots of casseroles. Um, but the one, I mean, the the head of cauliflower with like two cups of cheese baked on top. I don't um, even know what that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheesy cauliflower. But, yeah. But, exactly. Yes. Today, I think most people are like, mm, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it was also the the things where my, my grandmother would call it salad and it was a canned pear with like a scoop of mayonnaise in it on a on an iceberg lettuce. Oh so there were, some, there, there were some curious ones in there too. <laughs> Totally. So tell us a little bit um, about how you got into to food and, and cooking and, and why you decided to go to culinary school. Prior to that, you were a model, correct? Yeah. So I started um, 
model. Well, I would say that I started collecting cookbooks when I was nine. I was always okay. really fascinated with with cooking, with fresh food. Um, and when I started modeling when I was 13, I started basically living around the world. I was like, I was in Japan when I was 13 for a month doing a modeling contest. I was living in Paris, um, you know, for the summer when I was uh, 16. And I mean, I, I literally traveled, you know, I've traveled all over the world and lived all over the world. And I became very fascinated at a young age with why do people in certain countries eat the way they do um, to really like embrace the food experience? I was always like, I lived in Mexico as an exchange student when I was 12 for several months. And, you know, I can still smell the homemade tortillas, the masa, like mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the, the real like touching of food. So I had all these like world experiences, seeing food and embracing it, but like how, how much it was beloved. And then in the United States, I was like, why are we giving kids like goldfish and mac and cheese? And just right. that's, that's okay. Why is food so dumbed down for children? And yet like, when I go to India, like that they're having these wild spices and, you know, blends that you're like, I mean, in, in Mexico, like kids, like eating jalapenos, yeah, right, and, right. you know, but, but like, you know, in America, you're like, that's spicy. My kid's not going to like it. And they haven't even tried it yet. Totally. So it, 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 it informed a, a lot of that for me. And basically, yeah, I was modeling and acting and hosting TV shows, um, had always wanted to go to culinary school. And by this time, a lot of my, uh, several of my friends were chefs and they were like, don't, why are you going to go to culinary school? Don't <laughs> spend that money. That's not, get a job in a kitchen, like right on the line. You'll never yep. learn anymore. But there was this thing for me about really, like, I wanted the historical information about food. I wanted the firsthand experience. I wanted to do chocolate tastings and, mm-hmm. you know, like, real, like really understand, um, like, a deep, deep layered knowledge. And and I will say, like, that's what I got. I, I went to culinary school and there were 12 girls and one guy in my class. Oh, my gosh. So my it, class was it, exactly it, the same. Oh, really? That's so funny. Yeah. It's like it was an estrogen-filled uh, nightly nightly class. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's too funny. Um, and so after culinary school, did you go on to work in kitchens or did you right away start developing recipes and, and putting out food content? Right. So no, I, w- I worked in several restaurants between New York and LA because I had been, wor- I had been living in both cities. Um, mm-hmm. I was living in Los Angeles and I w- decided to go to culinary school um, in New York and I worked in restaurants and I worked in a catering company and I just quickly realized that it wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted 16, you know, and, and at that point, this is, this is very pre me too movement. And I was like always the only girl in the kitchens that I was working at. I was like working at Montrachet and Esca and Joe's in Los Angeles. And, um, and it was just, you know, it was like, I just didn't want to be like kind of brutalized in that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and so then I had um, my son, Kenya, and I realized I could cook, you know, a, a three-star, four-star meal. And I had no idea what to feed this little human. So that started the, the journey of Weelicious. Amazing. Um, and it has been such a journey. I mean, I've obviously followed, um, you know, 
the website and the recipes and your cookbooks. Um, I love the title, One Family, One Meal. And you were touching on that a little bit earlier, just in terms of the way people eat in other countries. And, you know, little kids are eating spicy food. And, they're, you know, parents are not making a special meal for their children. And there's no such thing as kids' food in a lot of other countries uh, like we have here in America. And I know that I personally have followed the same approach and philosophy, you know, that you follow just in terms of feeding my kids what we're eating. I mean, even going back to when I, I was breastfeeding, I remember I was actually eating a lot of spicy food for the actual reason because I wanted my babies to be able to handle spice, um, you know, and then giving them meals right out of like a one cup food processor. When they started eating food, I never really made baby food. I just ground up everything we were eating, um, you know, and gave it to them. But talk to me a little bit about, I guess, like the journey of Weelicious and then also your cookbook, One Family, One Meal, um, and sort of, you know, what your approach to feeding your family is all about. I mean, I think that the the beauty of Weelicious is it started very authentically and organically. I mean, within four months of having my son, I started the blog. And it's been a process of just like had my first child and I was feeding him baby food purees. And I really couldn't, I couldn't find a lot of information on the internet. Like how do you feed a, a, a you know, a baby to make them a great eater from day one. And I started Weelicious 13 years ago. So, you know, to the point of like, there just wasn't a, not a ton of information. Yep. Um, and then I had my second child and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not going to be a short order cook yeah. because you, as a parent, you fall into that, like making one thing for you and you yeah. and you, and you know, you're like, wait a minute, this is really, so that, the one family, one meal comes from that, like that I'm going to make one meal that everyone's going to love. And, you know, now 13 years later, um, you know, one of the key things I've, figured out. I mean, I, and I'll take it back to the, my son became a vegetarian by choice when he was five years old. My middle daughter is a true carnivore, like wants steak, breakfast, lunch, and dinner if she <laughs> had her way. Um, and my third child is literally like an equal opportunist for like, we'll just eat anything. Yeah. So, you know, like the strategy, like for me, the greatest strategy has been what I call DIY dinners. And that's just like, I make one meal. Um, but I, instead of like, you know, a, a lot of kids will say like, I don't want that because food touching or, uh, you know, they're, they're not willing to try it. Or basically, you know, with kids, like we tell them where they're going to go to school, what they're going to wear, maybe who their friends are going to be. So when it comes to food that, that appears in front of them that they had no part in making, they're like, give you the invisible middle finger. Like, yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, and for a lot of parents, I'm sure that like it, it resonates because you, you know, kids, they don't have a lot of power. So, you know, the, the, taking it back, Weelicious has just, you know, was at the point where um, I would say my daughter was born and I realized like it, it had been a life goal for me because I've been collecting cookbooks since I was nine <clears throat> to write a cookbook. And I wrote my first proposal and it was, I'm, I think it was 80 pages. <laughs> I think it was as long as, almost as long as, as, long the, as book. the book. <laughs> exactly. But I, but I wanted like, I wanted to have it constructed um, from head to toe. And it really is like, I mean, I, I mean, I still pull out my Wheelish's cookbook, you know, weekly because of the fact that it really is, you know, an ode to getting kids to be great eaters from day one while making cooking 
um, and feeding easy for parents. I love that. Um, and so when, so back in 2015, I probably prior to that, you had the idea for one potato, your home meal delivery kit service. Tell us a little bit about, um, one potato and the types of meals that you provide to your, um, uh, I guess, subscribers. Yes. Yeah, so is it a, and also is it a subscription service or can you, you know, buy it on a weekly basis? How does it work? Yeah, that's a great question. So one potato started from really with everything with Wheelicious. It's always been user generated. So, you know, if it came to the point where people just kept saying like, okay, I have the cookbooks and I have the recipes. I, I have the website, like just send me the food already. <laughs> um, and, you know, there was, there were a few other companies out in the market, but what we, there was the, the key differentiators. I wanted organic food. Yeah. I wanted, um, I wanted family pricing because I believe every family looks different and eats different. Uh, and, um, we wanted also everything to be very DIY. So that idea that like, it wasn't sending the single ingredients. Yeah. Parents don't have a lot of time. So everything is semi-prepared. So, yeah. um, an example is like, f instead of sending you a potato, we send you the fries and then you just need to toss them on a baking sheet to, right. uh, you know, with a little olive oil. So, you know, one potato, um, some of, you know, the meals are meant to be a very DIY experience so that like someone like my family, um, we order both types of meals, but there's even the meals that, um, are, have meat in them, chicken, fish, you know, whatever it is, they, there are all other vegetarian components. So like an example is we, um, we have, six meals that rotate every week. And then we have our one potato family favorites there that are there every single week. So like turkey tacos. So it, I should say tacos. So you can get beef, veggie, or turkey tacos. Uh -huh. um, and it, we, we make everything homemade. The sauces, we grate our own cheese. We, um, the dressings, like nothing is from a jar, a jar, can or box, like everything is homemade. Um, so the idea is that they're like this very, like you make your own meal. It's not like here, eat this. And yep. we, while one potato is a subscription, um, based company, you can order it once. Uh, we have families that order it every single week. Um, you pick the meals you want, uh, so you can pick two or three meals and we now have ready to blend frozen smoothie packs, um, for breakfast or lunch or whenever you want. Uh, we sell our, and, and every one potato box, you get homemade free cookie dough and the flavor changes every week and you can buy oh, the I cookie dough now too. Yeah. That's it's fun. great. Um, so you obviously know a lot about how people cook and how people eat, what are some of the kind of fan favorites from One Potato? Um, and I know that you you source a lot of those recipes from Weelicious. Like, what what would you say families out there are eating the most of these days? And also, oh has that changed after COVID or during COVID? I mean, we've like we've kind of, you know the company has grown so much. Uh, you know, it it we've always you know, done really well. It, I think that the most exciting part or positive part during COVID is that we, we just have, are getting endless emails from people being like, you know, I've always used one potato or, 
you know, I just tried it for the first time and like my family is coming to the dinner table and my kids are cooking with me and they're trying new foods. And it's, you know, it's such a helpful resource because people can't go out to eat and they don't feel, a lot of people don't feel safe even going to the grocery store. So we, you know, we, we, we're sending you food to your front door. We want you to feel like you're not just eating those same meals that, you know, you're, you know, the, that are, you know, in your arsenal, but like people, people get excited because they're like, oh my God, I've never even thought to make this before. I've never tried this. Like, oh my God, chicken tikka masala. Like this sauce is incredible. And it comes with so much, like one potato meals. There's so many components and the dressings and the sauces and the breads and the vegetables. And it's not like just like two things. It's like this really complex meal. So um, you know, some of the most popular meals, chicken and lettuce cups definitely come with scallion pancakes. They're um, pretty amazing. We do a DIY steak and salad sandwich. So you can make it into a steak or a, you know, we, we always say like, we're not dumbed down. Like yep. it's not kid food, but it's not like super fancy. It's just like that food that you grew up like craving and loving, um, chicken paillard with crispy potatoes and arugula salad, um, arepas with Latin barbecue chicken and sweet corn avocado cups. So we really also make it important to, you know, when you order out, you're always trying something like Thai or Vietnamese or Mexican. So we want people to have like our one potato families to have this sort of like like a little something a little bit outside their wheelhouse that feels yeah. like unique and daring and there's nothing greater than watching you know one of your family members try something they've never tried and love it yeah absolutely i love that and because you're doing a lot of the prep work um and you know someone's not spending all this time chopping you're allowing them to assemble things and make these, you know, the the sauces or the vinaigrettes and um, add those extra flavors in pretty quickly and easily. Because how how much time? I think I remember reading that uh, you're able to get the dinner on the table within thirty minutes most of the time with the one potato meal. Yep, like the tacos take twelve minutes, even if you've never cooked a day in your life. Um, salmon and parchment, thirty minutes. Uh, yeah, so most of the meals, nothing's really over 30 minutes. It's generally like eh, 10, 15, 20 prep and then whatever cook. It's it really fast because like if it's if it's going to take a long time, then we don't do it. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected. And I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. So let's talk about, um, you know, how you are cooking 
uh, for your kids these days? I, I do watch your Instagram stories and I see that you're, um, you know, eating a lot of one potato meals, but you're also cooking your own meals and bringing your kids into the kitchen to help you prepare really breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, but yeah, I'd love to know, like, you know, what is your approach and what kinds of advice do you have for people who, um, you know, maybe don't live in an area where they could order one potato? You know, if someone is really trying to get organized and better prepare and plan dinner, um, whether it's just for themselves or for their, you know, one other person or a family, what's a good approach that you think that they should take? Um, and also maybe talk to us a little bit about things that you always have in your kitchen, um, in your pantry, in your fridge, in your freezer. Yeah. So I meal prep, meal planning is to me, and by the way, I never meal planned until COVID hit <laughs> because I could just go to the grocery anytime I wanted, like right. on a whim. And when that stopped, I realized the true value in meal prep and meal planning. So I do that on Fridays and I, uh, I put up the meals that we're eating. So the meal plans that we do are what goes on Wheelicious um, every weekend. So you can always go and look at the Wheelicious meal plans. Um, and and so I make sure that I have, and then on Sundays we go to the farmer's market. So um, go to the farmer's market myself, my daughter, whoever in the family, and we buy, I would say 80% of what we eat at the farmer's market. So that's bread, cheese, eggs, all fruits and vegetables. I mean, we try to really get almost all of it there, which you know, the majority we're cutting down on, you know, the carbon footprint, uh, you know, it's all locally sourced. Um, much of it is organic. So, you know, that's the beauty of being in, in California yeah. um, for that. And then, you know, the one thing that I found, like one of my best strategies is I keep um, on my phone a list of my kids' favorite foods. And I I sit them down and I interview them, like, what are the top, what are the 10 foods you always want to have on hand? And by the way, I should put healthy food in parentheses there because they too would be like, well, let's see, ice cream sandwiches. And yeah. so we, you know, I put like, you know, like carrots, eggs, uh, whipped cream cheese, tortillas, whatever it is. And then I mix and match for their lunches and, you know, the dinners, like their mm -hmm. favorite foods. I'm really, I'm, I'm very conscious to make sure that they each have something that like feels like something they love or a favorite. Um, because I don't think that anyone ever realizes when you're a parent, it's 21 meals plus snacks, yeah. you know, seven days a week for 18 years. It's yeah. like never going away. So you better have some solid strategies. Um, and, you know, we, I think that when, if you're trying to get your kids to be great eaters, adding in different foods and, and trying them in different ways, like, you know, we, I gave my daughter, she loves like broccoli, but I bought Romanesco the other day yep. and we squeezed some lemon, gave her a little salt and she was like eating a half a head. I mean, she just, it was crunchy and I mean, she just loved it. Um, and so I think it's exposure, just trying new foods. Like if you can take your child to the grocery, allowing them to pick one fruit or vegetable they've never tried and like yep. look information up on the internet. Like where does it grow? Like being interested in food also makes kids better eaters. Yeah, I've definitely found that same thing. We, um, when we, we spent half of our time in Los Angeles and summers in New York, um, and we were living in New York prior to that. So my kids kind of were born and, um, you know, 
sort of raised there until, you know, 10, 11, 12. And we spent a lot of time at organic farms on the east end of Long Island. And one of mm. the farms is called Quail Hill Farm. And you actually, it, with your CSA membership, you're able to go and harvest the vegetables. Um, oh. And it's amazing. I, I mean, I will say it also is a chore and you realize how dirty vegetables are. And, you know, I, I put in a, like a slop sink outside just because it was it's a whole <laughs> processing um you know, it's a day of going to the farm and, you know, it's hot, but kids learn so much. And and also the, the farm has brought in kids to do like transplanting of the seedlings. And so the kids can like, you know, watch the, the stage of a carrot, you know, going from seed to seedling into the ground. And then they're picking it and washing it and peeling it and then eating it. Um, and there's definitely something special about that, watching the food grow, um, and I think the same is true with the farmer's market. I mean, my kids also love to come to the market and get to know the the farmers and ask them questions or they'll remember that, you know, my daughter loves passion fruit. So they're like, you know, I also have a daughter named Chloe. So Chloe, come here. here look. <laughs> um, you know, we've got passion fruit this week. And, you know, I think that that's really special for kids to connect um, with the people that grow their food. Um, and understand how hard that job is and how fortunate we are that, you know, there are people out there that are, you know, really committed to that. Um, you know, because I think sometimes when you when you only go to grocery stores or even, I mean, you could do it at home with this a small garden or, you know, growing herbs on a windowsill. Um, getting kids involved and watching something grow and then eating it is is really important in my opinion. Yeah, we uh, we do the same thing. We go to Pick Farms, obviously the farmers market, and we're growing a lot now. We're actually in the process of planting a ton of um, fruit trees, and um, I, I I I basically at this point collect passion fruit vines. Chloe, yeah. Your Chloe with, with needs to come <laughs> stay here. We have like about. 500 that are about to just drop that are oh almost gosh. ready to drop it's crazy they're they're crazy if anyway we should do a passion fruit uh 101 here sometime i've like be, that's one of my my uh, passions not to, not to <laughs> double down on that um but yeah no there's so much it's so much fun and the kids get so excited like we really you know get the beans and like we'll plant heirloom seeds and they just, you know, or even like a lettuce grow tower. I mean, we have one of those too, because the kids then will just like, let's go, let's go eat some, like, let's see what's growing. Let's eat some lettuce. And they're like picking and trying different things. And it's so the beauty of watching it being done unconsciously, just doing it and not making anything of it is to me is the coolest part. Totally. So I'm wondering, um, just in terms of like inspiration, you know, I, I used to always go to restaurants and get inspired for new flavors and new dishes, you know, that I would try in restaurants. And, you know, we're still doing as much uh, support of restaurants as we can with takeout. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering, like, are there chefs or other authors or bloggers that really inspire you and that you look up to in the space? Oh my God, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. I, I know I'm gonna hurt I'm gonna hurt someone's feelings if I even go down this road. Um, I would say that it's literally for me it's every day because I I have the opportunity to get to do all kind like whether it's the farmers market or you know I mean I've been competing on guys grocery games that's new <laughs> I used to I judge but I also right have been yeah oh, so Com- you're competing these days wow oh okay. yeah it's been really yeah so it's been <laughs> super fun. 
uh, <laughs> and you know, and challenging. So I'm competing against other chefs, and I love getting to watch what they're making. You know, what while we're we're all hustling for yeah. slightly different or the same ingredients. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm like, I'm really just as inspired by home chefs, yeah. um, by like just user generated that I see online as I am. You know, the uh, Antonio LaFaso, uh, Michael Voltaggio, Eric Greenspans of the world. So I think that, you know, it's there that everyone has something to offer. Um, and it's like, I'm like you, I will say I miss restaurants. Oh my gosh, do I miss a, a restaurant? I, I, that is my, one of my greatest fears, you know, of what's, what's, what's been going on. Um, and we, we too, like we, part of our meal plan is we, every Saturday night we order in. Yeah. Um, because yeah, so, yeah, we've been big on supporting local and, you know, yeah. Favorite restaurant dishes. Totally. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the smoothie project. Um, that's your most recent cookbook and it's filled with smoothie recipes Tell us a little bit about how you decided to write a book uh, uh, exclusively on smoothies. So my son, it, it, it really, he was the the reason that it started. Um, when he was eight, he was started getting headaches and nausea. And this is a kid who never complains about his health. Um, and it persisted for months. And I was seeing doctors, reading books. And I read this one book called Cure, Cure Your Kids with Food. And there was a line about smoothies. So the next day I took um, a piece of white white paper and drew all these little pictures of different smoothie ingredients, took it up to his room and was like, okay, you can have, I'm going to, we're going to try, let's, let's have a smoothie. You can pick anything you want to go in it. So he circled what he would want and he drank it and like loved it. Day one, day two. And within three weeks, all of his symptoms had gone away. And I, what, what I, you know, eventually deduced it to being was that he is a vegetarian and I had, you know, even though I know better, I had let him, you know, slide down that slippery slope of like pasta and bread and yeah. cheese. And, yeah. and he wasn't getting what he needed. And just from the simple switch to having like starting his day with fruit, vegetable and protein, instead of, you know, the very American way of like your kids wake up, what do you give them? You know, like Eggo waffles or yeah. pancakes and all yeah. these foods that like send them right to sleep. Um, and I, you know, I started to realize that like smoothies, you know, the smoothie trend amongst, you know, different restaurants or, you know, um, easy, you know, grab and go. Yeah. It's not, it's for all ages. It's for your grandmother. It's for, uh, you know, and really what, the, what it ended up happening at that point was that I had a 10 month old baby and Gemma, um, was sipping on them every day. And we just thought it was the funniest thing. She would literally, I'd be holding my smoothie. The four of us would be standing around. She'd be on my hip and she would suck down a like 10, 12, 14 ounce smoothie right before <laughs> our eyes. And we started putting it on Instagram. Like, yeah, we're just I remember sucking that it down. with your Instagram yeah. stories. I felt like I watched yeah. her grow up sitting on your countertop. Oh, like, I a little know. cute little bald head. And then it was like, oh, she has was... more hair now. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and so she, cute. by the way, she is, 
is five, uh, five, almost five and a half years old, and she still, she, if, if she doesn't have her smoothie sitting on the kitchen table when she comes down in the morning, she will bark at you. She, <laughs> like, she's, and, you know, it's it's amazing. Like, they, so that's really how the Smoothie Project started, and it was just me interviewing people and realizing that if you start your day with fruits, vegetables, and protein in any f- a delicious combination, it doesn't just have to be, like, this gnarly green smoothie. Yeah. Um, that tastes like tree bark, um, that it can be this delicious experience and you can improve your health so much and you can still eat your mac and cheese later in the day. Like totally. they, it, it, that I just don't think that enough people um, are getting what they really need. Um, and it's just a, you know, a delicious way to improve your health. I love it. So what are some of the combinations, fruit, vegetable, protein, that are your family's favorites from your smoothie recipes? Ooh, our favorites? Well, okay, if you ask my two daughters, they want chocolate peanut butter smoothie, um, like, <laughs> all the time. But it has frozen cauliflower in it. So it's a vegetable, and interestingly enough, protein uh, cauliflower is one of the you know vegetables that has the most protein in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it cauliflower, you don't taste it. It makes it really creamy. Um but I, I mean, my husband has to have passion fruit in all of his smoothies. So big on that one. Um, I still make the pregnancy smoothie at least twice a week. I mean, I had it through both of my daughter, my pregnancies with my daughters. It's like chocolate and tons of berries. Um, oh, so yeah. it's high in fiber and it's just, oh, it's so good. And uh, so, we, but we really, I mean, the truth is that I make a different smoothie every, almost every day, like depending on either what's in season, what we've got in the freezer. Um, and that's also the beauty of smoothies. You can keep almost all, uh, most of the ingredients are refrigerator, I mean, freezer or shelf stable. Yep, totally. Um, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you mentioned the freezer. What about the pantry? Maybe give us some tips of um, ways in which you keep your pantry stocked to always be able to pull together uh, a nutritious and flavorful meal for the kids and for yourself and your husband. Yeah, so we I I keep on, again on my phone a running list of pantry staples, and I make mm-hmm. sure that I ne- that I always have them on hand. Um, so we always have like on Sundays I tend to cook a big batch of pasta and a big batch of brown rice, and okay. then we will mix and match it with just about anything. So. Brown rice one night becomes brown rice cakes the next day. Um, Sometimes we turn them into breakfast brown rice cakes. And actually yesterday for the first time we did pesto brown rice cakes. And it's really just, yeah, so it's egg and mozzarella cheese. And they're just, they become cakes. So they get like really crunchy on the outside, but like Mm -hmm. soft and tender inside. So like we we do tons of stir fries with the rice. So my whole goal is always like, how can I take one basic food? It's generally a lot of beans, rice. Uh, we make a lot of um, beans in the uh, pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then like making them into either these like stir fries or what I call a pasta mama, which is pasta with eggs and any kind of fresh or leftover vegetables. Um, so, you know, really taking those like base ingredients and turning them into different meals so that you don't feel like you're having to like recreate an original meal seven days a week. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that at the, at the very beginning of COVID, um, 
my son, which is kind of funny, he's nine. He thinks that there's going to be um, a mask cutting ceremony similar to like oh. when when there's like, you know, a new bank and they like cut the ribbon. Um, so he thinks that at the end of COVID, there's going to be this mask cutting ceremony. But at the beginning, not knowing how long that we would all be in this situation, he said to me, how about you make a different meal every night for dinner in quarantine? And I was like, yeah, no problem, buddy. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I pretty much have, which is pretty funny um, that I'm like trying to keep it up every once in a while. I'll, I'll slip or I'll say, he'll say like, oh, this is pretty similar. I'm like, yeah, but last time I didn't add the pesto to the polenta and tonight there's some pesto. (laughs) Um, But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying about like keeping, um, you know, beans and rice and um, I we actually do a lot of like we make a lot of like sauces and pestos like I always have like fresh um, marinara sauce that we make and pestos depending on what kind of um, herbs or even, you know, like a kale pesto or um, I'm, I just recently did like actually a broccoli pesto, which was really good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm always doing that just to put on like, especially now because we're all here all the time and eating, um, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner at home, but, you know, putting pesto on toast with avocados. Um, yeah. Or we've just been playing around with like making some nut cheeses as well instead of like a, a cream mm. cheese. So um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that the last year, almost a year now has been, um, you know, good to kind of like think through ways in which you can always mix, mix things up day after day, night after night. And, you know, also not, you know, not go crazy trying to make, um, you know, a five course meal every single night. Yeah, and it's and we, we, you, you have five. I have five. You yeah. Know, sometimes it's it's challenging to avoid. But you know what? Another strategy off of what you're saying, we like we tend to make really plentiful dinners so that the next day we have lunch. Yeah. And totally. because we have four, four my dog, my little one is at school, but the other four of us are home. And so when you have those, like we're, we've always been big advocates of leftovers. I'm yeah. all about a leftover. So you know. Yeah, I mean, if I think that's always a strategy is like make too much dinner because then you can just roll it over to the next day because we got a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, it's been so nice chatting with you, Catherine. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share a little bit about your story and Weelicious and One Potato and the Smoothie Project. Um, and what actually, let, tell us just before we go, tell me a little bit about um, your uh Guys, grocery games. What um, what kind of uh, episodes have you recorded recently? Um, what kinds of challenges um, have they they tasked you with? Oh my gosh! Well, we had we just shot another episode last week, and so I can't say anything with that one. But the one before was um, they're usually like things like turning 10 ingredients you don't know were about to pop out of a box into like a high-end dinner Mm -hmm. Um, or taking something like um, kids' favorite um, snack foods and turning it into a um, 
like a, a, a favorite from your childhood. I mean, it is all over the place and you have 30 minutes to do it. And it really is like the test of a mom. But the funny <laughs> thing is, it, it is. It's like you, you open these boxes and you don't know what's going to be inside. And you immediately, you have 30 minutes from that point. There is no like, you know, walk to the side and think about it for 10 minutes. It's like, right. and You're just, go. You got to go. You got to get And the funny thing... Yeah, my friend and I were talking, who's also on the show, we were talking about it the other day. We were like, sometimes we feel like we do, the the, the the home cooks do as well as the chefs, because this is, as a mom, this is all I That's do That's what you every do day. every night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Get, yeah, I, get I always creative, say that. Yeah. Especially when you're working at home now and your kids are at home. Um, I used to always have the clock. I would know, like... If they were out, you know, at their after school swim practices or, you know, whatever, whatever after school activities um, they were participating in, I would know what time they were going to be home that our babysitter would be bringing them back. And I'd say like, okay, I've got to start dinner by 615 because they're going to be here at 645 and they're going to be starving. Um, so every night was kind of like feeling like I was on, um, you know, a show like that, but yeah, <laughs> you're, 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 you're living, Julia, yeah. living guys, grocery games every night, every night at life. home. I know. And now it's like, they walk up to me and say like, I know that um, you haven't finished working yet, but I'm just wondering, <laughs> what's for dinner? And I'm like, oh, I have no idea. I'm like, I literally have no idea. I have, but just give me five minutes. I'll go into the kitchen. I'll see what we've got. So I'm actually, it's funny. I still, to this day, I'm like horrible about meal plan. I, I have everything I need always to make really anything, but I never know what I'm going to make until that night. Um, so. so funny. Well, I will tell you on the, on the last note of this is that the best part of being in quarantine is that I have taught my kids how to make at least five to six dishes each. Yeah, and totally. I and I follow on that all the time. I'm like, you know what to make. Go yep. for it. Here's right. here's the refrigerator. It's all yours. Exactly. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. I really appreciate it. And I hope we can catch up in real in the real world sometime soon. <laughs> I hope I get to see you really soon. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Feed Feed. And don't forget to follow Catherine over at Wheelicious as well. If you have a food story to tell or you want us to interview a food blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who's helped you solve the what's for dinner question, we'd love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.